Okay, good evening. This is Chaim Bravender in Yerushalayim. It's 8 o'clock. I'm going to learn something about the parasha. Uh, the parasha is called Noach. And the story in Noach Again, the story is about Noach. Before we go on, I want to just mention that this year is dedicated by Jerry and Barbara Schroeder in memory of their parents. Uh, Jerry and Barbara Schroeder know each other for a long time, and a lot of it has to do with Talmud Torah, so I feel fortunate. Uh, again, let's get back to let's get back to the story of Noah. I mean, the children love the story. It's a story about how Noah and his family emerge victorious from the ark and uh, start the the new world. What I'd like to do is focus on a particular event that took place in the course of the parasha of Noah, which I feel demands a little bit more interpretation. And that is those psukim found in the eighth parak, The eighth parak of, of Bereshit is about the ending of the, of the Babul, the ending of the flood. The flood covered the world. There was no way to live through the flood if you were a person. Only Noah and those who were in the ark with him had any chance of coming through this terrible, this terrible event. So Perichet says, I'm doing... Uh, May I'll get the uh, a highlighter. Is that all right? Maybe I thought I could get it, but maybe not. Maybe not. Just a second. Thurgis uh, is another of the shared contents of the rest. Let's see if I can do it. Look at that. Look at that. Just one second. I'm sorry. We'll use red. The happy color. Here we are. By his came at Noah, and God remembered what had happened to Noah. Now we we spoke in the past. You have to check on it. But the word by Yizkor, to remember as applied to God, is a special word because as we understand it, God does not forget, God does not remember. It's always there. It's always there. So that by Yizkor, Lekimet Noach, is special. It introduces something special. We're not going to talk about that today, but I just want to remind you of the fact that it's not a regular word. It's not what we would think of. All the animals, the bigger animals, the bigger animals, 
And so the wind took everything, took everything away. And the, and, and the, uh, the wellsprings coming out of the ground were closed up. There was no rain. The rain stopped. So we knew that the it was over. And the waters retreated from the from the land. This took place. The waters started being reduced after 150 days. And the ark came to rest. Ararat. Ararat, I don't know exactly where that is, but years and years ago, there was a case being made for someplace in Armenia. Of course, in those days, I don't think I knew where Armenia was. Uh, today, we've been re-educated. Today, everybody knows about Armenia. But we don't know about Hare Ararat. We're not sure. There's I mean, some place. I mean, what difference does it make? It was a place. And the waters kind of depleted. At the end, on that date, that is quoted, the tops of the mountains, the tops of the mountains were seen. Okay. Pasuk Vav, by Himikates Arbaim Yom, 40 days later, 40 days later, by Yiftach Noach et Chalon Hateva Asher Asah. So here Rashi, we can, uh, we're in Pasuk Vav, can we turn to the Rashi? It continues the next page, I guess. Uh, I need the Rashi. Yeah, I can do it. Um, okay, if it doesn't work, I'll just have to read you the Rashi. Okay, there's the Rashi. A little further. I need a little further. Uh, I need Pasuk Vav. One second, one second, one second. Here it is. Right? Uh, Pasuk Vav. Uh, Rashi says, It was 40 days after 
the tops of the mountains were seen. So even when they saw the tops of the mountain, there was still a lot of flood left in the world. And then it says in the Pasuk, he opened up the, the window, the window in the ark. Rashi says, Tzohar means uh, a, a source of light, a, a way of getting some light. I mean, during the flood, the flood covered the world and there was no light that came from the sun. So whatever Rashi says at the beginning of the parasha that Tzohar was a kind of a, a jewel that, uh, that uh, uh, Noach put into the wall of the, of the ark in order to get light. But here, here he says, in order, he made this window in order that it should be light. And this is not the regular opening, the opening that the opening that the, the door of the ark where the people went in and out of. And so we stand like wondering, like. Sometimes Rashi tells us something that is so obvious, so simple, so un it's so unnecessary to comment that we're kind of amazed. I mean, this is Rashi. I understand so hard. It's a chalon. The word chalon has a meaning. It's not the door, it's the window. So what does Rashi say? What does Rashi say? Pasuk et chalon with this window was not for going in and out, but it was for light. This is not the opening, which we call a door or doorway. It's not the doorway. What does he say? It's not the doorway. Uh, I mean, obviously it's not the doorway, it's a window. I think that what Rashi is telling me but Rashi's telling me, he's like, look carefully, Rashi says. Something very important is about to happen. Right? Something very important is about, to, uh, is about to happen. And so what was the important thing that was about to happen was that he sent out an orave. He sent out an orave. Uh, a raven. Vaishlach. And the Pasuk says, Can you have the Pesukim back, uh, back, back up? Oh, there it is, you see, it works. Pasuk Pasuk Zayin, Pasuk Zayin, For some reason, the Pasuk doesn't tell us what the reason is. He sent out the orave. He sent out this raven. He went out, out and back and out and back until the water dried up, right? Amayim me'al ha'aretz. It was the the Orev. I mean, he didn't do anything. He was just flying around, 
but he stood he stood closely to the he stood closely to the original intention the ark he didn't want to go away from the ark he wasn't looking for a dry land he wasn't looking for a tree to roost upon he just stayed with the ark this arabia so the malbim points out and asks the question he says well if the arab didn't know what he was supposed to be doing why did he send him why did he send them? And you see in Pasukhet, it says, Pasukhet vayishalachet ha-yonah me'ito l'rot ha-kalu ha-mayim me'alpine adama. And so the Malvin points out, when it comes to the, to the Yonah, the Yonah had a purpose. Again, you see that Pasuk vayishalachet ha-yonah me'ito l'rot ha-kalu ha-mayim me'alpine adama. The owner was a, was sent by Noah. Noah wanted information. The Yonah was a kind of a spy that was sent to spy out the land and to see what the state of the flood was. And that's in those words. By Shalachat Yonah Pasukrat eight, Beito Lerot Hakalo Hamaye Me Alpine Adama Lerot. That's what he would be, the, the Yonah was sent. But the, the, the Oreb, the Oreb did not have a purpose. If you look at Pasuk Zion, it says, The Oreb was sent, no purpose, not clear. And so if the Yonah was somehow disciplined willing to do as Yonah, as Noah wanted him to do. Why not just send the Yonah? What exactly was the Oreb sent to do? And we know that an Oreb is different than a Yonah. Generally in the world, you know, the Oreb is usually black. And the Yonah is often white. And so black are the bad guys. And Oreb, the, the, the white is the good guys. But here, it doesn't seem to really fit in. If the Oreb was a black, was the bad guy, why was he sent? Why did Noah send the Oreb? What was the Oreb supposed to do? For that matter, later on, was there, well, what did he send? Why did he send the Yonah? Why did he send the Yonah? After all, when the time came, just as God had told Noah, go into the Teva, we have to assume that God will tell Noah to get out of the Teva, which is, in fact, what happened. Okay, maybe you could say something about Noah, about Zerizuth, like he wanted to do the mitzvah of leaving the ark, even before God commanded it. I mean, that's really Zerizuth, alacrity, alacrity in doing a mitzvah. That's certainly not clear, and it doesn't answer our question about the Oreb. What, pray, was the Oreb doing when he was sent by Noah and didn't leave the area of the ark? So we look again at Rashi. We look again at Rashi, Ezra, Rashi, Rashi, Basuk Zion. Rashi Pasuk Zion is a very interesting Rashi. 
Okay, great. Zion. Remember? He went out and he came back. He went out and he came back. Rashi explains. He just stuck to the ark. He didn't go anywhere. We didn't need him because Noah could have looked out of the window and he would see the same thing that the Oreb saw. He didn't do what he was sent to do. And you remember it has that verb in the Pesuk. Sent, bishalak, he was sent. You said means either, you know, I send you, or it means you have some kind of, some kind of purpose. You're doing it for me. So no said to the Arab, you're doing it for me, the Arab said, I'm not going. So we're missing a reason. Along comes Rashi. And Rashi said the most amazing thing. The most amazing thing. Uh, Rashi says, just one second, I've got to get it all. No, he didn't go as an emissary of Noah. He didn't accept the charge. Noah said to him, check it out. And the Orev said, no, I'm sticking close to home. And along comes Rashi. So Rashi tells us there's a Gemara in the end of Sanhedrin. And the Gemara says, the Gemara says that the Orev, what was the Orev doing? He was a little worried about his family. He was worried that Noah would take advantage of his wife while he was gone. And so he refused to go. He refused to leave the place that he was at and to go to another place where he would be far away from home, where he would be far away from home. And he says, Another explanation, until the water's dried up. This is like, doesn't have to be that del, uh, explained further. It means what it says. But there's another Medrash that he knows, that Rashi knows. And he says, Medrash Agada, Muchanaya Orev, Lishlichut Acheret. And why didn't the Orev follow the direction of Noah? Because the Orev was ready to do a different Shlichut, to take care of a different problem. 
where the rain stopped in the days of Eliyahu. The Pasuk in Lachim says, The Orvim, the ravens, bring Lechem Basar. So it's as though the ravens were on deck waiting to fulfill another another directive that came from heaven. And so they were not available for this directive, for this directive from heaven. So why did Noah send them if they weren't available? Why did Noah say, yo, the orave, that's you know, all the animals and all the birds and everything that was in the in the ark, they had to send the orave. So it must be the other reason. It must be the fact that Noah said that they did not, these, the, uh, The other reason that the Orev was worried about his family, about Mrs. Orev, about Noah's attitude to family. And that's what I wanted to tell you today. We go to the next page. We just look at the, at the, uh, uh, oh, great. We look at the next page and just remind you, this is Perik Aleph Pasuk Bet. The Breshit, last week, we read this parasha. We actually also read it on Simchat Torah. In spite of the fact that we read it over and over again, I wouldn't say that it's necessarily so well known, the details. But the Pasuk says, right? The world was in a state of tohu vavohu, however you would like to translate that. There was darkness that covered everything. Ruach Elokim merachevet al pnei hamayim. Ruach Elokim merachevet al pnei hamayim means everything was covered with water. Now, when are we talking about that everything was was covered with water? Before the creation of the world that we that Adam and Chava lived in, before that creation. There was just water. Water, water is like if everything is covered by water, then there's only the shape of the water. There's nothing that you could see that belongs to a created world. And so when HaKadosh Baruch Hu decided to punish the people in the created world, the punishment came to them in the guise of a flood. And the flood brought the world back to the state preceding, preceding the creation itself, which was in the third pasuk, which is not on the sheet. By Yomer Elokim Yehi Or, God said, let there be light. That was the first pasuk of creation. First pasuk of creation. And eventually, eventually the waters were pushed aside and some of the world was dry land and some of the world was large bodies of water. So we see, I think, I think that when God decided to punish the world, the punishment was the destruction of the world. 
but not destruction in terms as we usually think of it as as bombs and and drills and uh, tractors not that kind of destruction the kind where you go back to the beginning of things and the beginning of things is represented by that clause that clause Rochel of Kim, the Spirit of God, Mirachefet, hovers, hovers al Pnei on the water. That means that everything was water. Everything was 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 covered by water. Everything was covered by water. So if everything is covered by water, when Hakadosh Baruch Hu wanted to punish the world, he said, "We go back to the beginning. We'll try it over again." We'll try creation over again because it didn't work the first time. Didn't work the first time. Even though HaKadosh Baruch Hu compromised himself, so to speak, in a manner of speaking. And even though the world was created bedin with judgment, Reshit bara Elohim, Elohim is judgment. And judgment, judgment is harsh. You have to play by the rules. If you don't play by the rules, you're punished appropriately. Nevertheless, HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, Hashem Elohim, says in Pasuk Bet, right? Hashem Yudke Vavke modifying the Elohim, the Din, the Rachamim modifying the Din. So this was a compromise that enabled the world to work with Sacharva Onesh. Sacharva Onesh reward and punishment, which meant that even if you deserve to be punished, you can do tshuva. Something we've thought about a lot from the time of the Rosh Chodesh Elo until Hoshana Rabbah. I don't we think about it all the time, but that was like intensive, an intensive time. So Sacharva Onesh reward and punishment demands this tremendous compromise by HaKadosh Baruch Hu, tremendous, that you could do tshuva, you could do tshuva and you're, and you're okay. You could do tshuva, okay, the Gemara says that there are chilukei tshuva, depends on the nature of the transgression. But for every transgression, there is a possible kind of tshuva that you could, that you could do. Rashi says, the Spirit of God hovers. Imagine this vision that Rashi has before the creation. The place of God did not have a place. The honor, the honorable throne, that throne for God doesn't have a place. So Beit Ba'avir, it's like just suspended. And it's Merachef, and what keeps it up there? The wind, the breath of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And in, in the words that he says, just like a Yonah. Just like a Yonah. So you see that the previous 
the state before creation is somehow connected to the Yonah. So we ask according to Rashi, why did? Why did Noah send the Oreb? Why did he send an Oreb? The next pasuk here is pasuk of Zion. We just read the pasuk. It sounds like they're kind of equal. A man and his wife, masculine, feminine, are equal. God bless them by who is the purpose for the creation of male and female was this is the way you will multiply you'll fill the land you'll capture it everything in the world is for yours it's all there it's all there for you Rashi points out we push it up a little bit Rashi points out you see it's towards the bottom so Rashi says he took one of his ribs and he built the woman from that so that seems like a lack of equality that sounds like equality this sounds like less than equality at the first time, Zachar and and it was like one personality with two faces. And afterwards, it was separated. Rashi is not so happy with that idea. He says here that in this pasuk, he was they were created on the sixth day, but it does not explain how it was done. And in the other pasuk, it says how it was that they were created. So this brings us to an age-old problem about the relationship of a man and his wife, or a man and a woman. I mean, what relationship does the Torah <coughs> want of us? So we have to remind ourselves, we move it up uh, the next uh, group of Sukim, Ezra, thank you. That in the beginning, there's this idea so God said to Adam, not to Adam the Ishto, but just Adam, 
You can eat whatever you want. There's a problem of eating from, from the Eitz Hadat, the tree of knowledge. And this was when man was still not created, even though he was created. There's a, you know, we're not dealing with that, but it's a problem. I'll make for him a help meet. Means uh, support. So we know this Pasuk says, this Pasuk says that in some way or other, in some way or other, man became a partner in creation with God. And God said to man, you name them. All these animals that have been created, give them names. Uh, you know that when you give something a name or you give it a, a kind of a sign that we can call, we know the two of us that we're talking about, like, like uh, imagine a table. Imagine a table, I mean, we can talk about it. There's no table that we, put, we can talk about a, the idea of a table. We can talk about a table that I used to own. But that's because we both know what the word table is about. The same thing is true. All the animals that were created in the world, in order to be able to talk about them, and being able to talk about them is the same as saying they actually exist. In order to be able to talk about them, you have to give them names. Baruch said to other Barishan, you give them, give them their names, which was a kind of a completion of the creation. Because if they didn't have names, you wouldn't be able to make to reference them. You wouldn't be able to talk about them. And if you couldn't talk about them, it's as though they didn't actually, they didn't actually exist. So a very kind of uh, Important phrase, La Adam Lo Matza Ezer Kinegdo. God is looking for an Ezer Kinegdo, and he Lo Matza in the world of the created world. At that time, there was no Ezer Kinegdo. Pasuk Kaf Aleph, Vayapel Hashem Lokim Tar Deimal Adam. So God made the man go to sleep. He took one of his ribs. So there was this idea. There was this idea that the woman is comes from the man. He's a part of him. He's not so. She's not so important on her own, but she's a part of 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 man, and. You can understand that as being very positive about the woman. It's very hard to find somebody appropriate or just looking amongst the animals. Looking amongst the animals. Let's go to the next. Uh,
to the next section, if we can. Uh, more, more, no. After the after this Rashi. Uh, that's it. So then we have a story. We have a story of Hanachasha Yarum. The snake was very, very uh, clever. We call Chayat Now we know that Chayat were partially completed by, by man. Even though God said, don't eat, right? Rashi says, the fourth line in the Rashi. Shema Amalachem Lotochlumikol Afal Pishira Autamochlim Mishar Perot. He saw them eating from the other fruit. Aherba Alehem Dvarim Kedeshetishivenu Bayavolidaberbo Toha Aits. Right? So she, he convinced her to do something, right? And Pasuk Gimel, Pasuk is the most amazing, uh, the most amazing Pasuk. Here's our bet. Umi priha eats a shebitohagan, a malakim, lotoch lumi menu, belotigubo. Of course, God never said that. She said that. Lotigubo, I mean, so the whole world is going to come to an end because she said that. And so the, the snake was able to show her that if, if you touch the tree, nothing happens. So she, she created doubt. It created doubt about whether they knew what God had demanded of them or not. And if the snake could touch the tree, I mean, why shouldn't they be able to touch the tree? And if touching the tree is all right, as we understood, why shouldn't eating the tree from the fruit of the tree not be all right? Rashi says, Pasuk Gimel, Loti Gubo, Osifa ala tzivui, Lefikach ba elidei geraom. Oshideemar, Al tosif al divarav. Okay. I'd like to try so to to bring together some of this some of this material. You know, it's hard to know uh, about the righteousness of Noah. It's hard to know why Noah was chosen to be the father of the new world. I mean, after all, Noah is like Adam Arishon. Adam Arishon was actually fashioned by HaKadosh Baruch and, and Noach became in place of Adam Arishon. Exactly, you would think that there would be something about Noach that would be impressive. It, it's true, Rashi says, that Noach tried to get more people involved, to do tshuva to understand that the end was nigh. And he was unsuccessful. Unsuccessful because he did not present an image that was so much different from anybody else's image. 
And so they stood around and laughed at him as he built this ark. And he had no influence, apparently, on the other people. But if we look at the story of Noah after he leaves the Teva, and after he and his sons do what they did, planting vineyards, getting drunk, sexual offenses, it's hard to say that the Noah before the flood was such a remarkable personality. And after the flood, he went into this state of debauchery. But it was probably true that he was not something so remarkable before. And you know that in the in the New World, populated by Noah and his family, in the New World, in order just to make sure we understand what happens, Noah received the blessing or command that Adam Arishon received. Adam Arishon was told by HaKadosh Baruch it's your obligation. It's your obligation to be plenty, to grow. The same thing was said to, to Noah. It's your obligation to grow. But Noah was kind of a disappointment. Noah was kind of a disappointment. And eventually we understand that Abraham took the place of the first man and Sarah, the first of the women. And you know that in creation, in creation, everybody had to get a name. And that name was given to them by Adam Arishon, but it was approved, apparently, by HaKadosh Baruch it was approved by Akadosh Avraham received a new a name. He was Avram. He received a new name. He wasn't part of the world that he came from. He was the beginner of the new world. So Rashi points out that there was a difference between Noah and Abraham. The Noah was with God, but Abraham walked with God. Abraham was the first one and should have been, had he been around or could have been around, should have been the beginner of things. But Noah received that job. And so Noah sent out the orev. He sent him away, this orev. And why did he send him away? If I read Rashi that way. Why did Noah send away the orev? Because whatever the orev stood for was of no interest to Noah. And what did orev stand for? A strong family a man, a male, and a female who wouldn't let go of each other. And that somehow became 
a primary element in the creation of the new world. Noah apparently was not so concerned about that. And he sent out the Orev, he said, you go, that's sending you on a mission. Just go with your ideology because it doesn't fit our, our positions. Go, Orev, go with your ideology of family and we will remake the world without you. The Orev wouldn't leave. He wouldn't budge. And Noah lost the opportunity to begin the new world. And that beginning was given over to Avraham and Sarah, a family, a family who, who, who had difficulties together, but who stayed always together, who were always concerned about each other, Avraham and Sarah. And they were the foundation, the basis of the new world an opportunity lost by Noah. Noah, yes, he began the new world chronologically, but the new world actually began with Abraham and Sarah, both going through name changes, which said that HaKadosh Baruch Hu was creating them. They were being created in their own lifetimes and distinguished from the world that came before them. Not distinguished by a flood, but distinguished by an idea. The idea, the idea that you together could live in a world in which you worshiped, accepted the divine sivui, the command. Have a good Shabbos, all the best.